Burgers are best fresh from the grill. Well, more specifically, burgers with Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. It's so rich and creamy that it instantly makes any burger irresistible. And what backyard barbecue is complete without some potato salad? Not just any potato salad, of course. Potato salad highlights the rich, creamy goodness of Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. So if you want to take your barbecue season to the next level, stock up on Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. For great recipe ideas, visit hellmans.com. When you pull up to game night in the all-new Camry, but it's actually bingo night. Mini golf, anyone? It's a Camry vibe. The all-new, all-hybrid Camry, Toyota. Let's go places. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. That's hooey and applesauce. Three words for that. Ooh, blah, and blah. When I'm wrong, I say I'm wrong. Oh, it's gangbusters. Damn a shake in In FL and Dave. Damn a shake. Hi and hello, football fans. It's your old pal Dave, Dave Damashek. What's going down? I hope all's well wherever you are. Welcome to episode number 74 of the Dave Damashek football program. It's a holiday edition, don't you know? Happy July 4th. Happy Independence Day. I hope you're enjoying it. And uh, how better to enjoy it, really, than by putting your heels up and listening to the Dave Damashek football program. Well, kibitz about the national pastime. I'm talking about NFL football, of course. Forget the days. That's that's 20th century stinking thinking to see, to think it's uh, it's still baseball. But maybe we'll dabble in baseball and some other stuff, too, because um, it is free agency season in both the NBA and NHL, so uh, maybe we'll yap about that. But first, let's say hello to... A guy who's sitting in in Studio 66 for the usual uh, Adam Rank. He's off on vacation. I think he's in Vegas, as a matter of fact. Um, he's off, but sitting in his seat, a man who we've uh, enjoyed on the podcast on any number of occasions over the past year. It's Elliot Harrison. What's the poop, fella? What's going on, man? How I'm, are I'm, we? I'm a Dallas is own. I'm ashamed to say that I, I'm not doing as good as I could be because I actually stayed up and watched Temple of Doom. What a terrible, terrible sequel that was. That is an awful way to start things off. Temple of Doom is a highly underrated picture. Shame on you. No way. And right out of the gate, taste the – matter of fact, it works perfectly because uh, Indiana Jones is also Han Solo, and Han Solo carries a little something called the uh, Han Solo Edition blaster on his hip. I shall now take it out and feel it sting. There you go. That's wrong. You should. You you deserve that, EH, for you know your nonsense. Right out. I mean, right out of the gate Probably to come in the here most and attack me. Sequel ever. That is absolutely absurd. And if we have time, I would like to cover that at great length. I don't want to just dismissively say that you're insane. That is a tremendous picture. The first twenty minutes 
of Temple of Doom are arguably the greatest 20 minute stretch in any I mean forget I I forget the most recent one I don't consider it a the fourth movie even counting but in that trilogy the original trilogy the 20 minutes that start out in, uh, in when, when you know when they're in the uh, fancy when Kate Capshaw I know you who would musicals, soon become come who would soon become uh, uh, Mrs. Uh, Spielberg she I imagine that's where they fell in love that's my I think that makes sense that that's uh, where things went down um, but yeah she was she she's singing and dancing and uh, welcome home old boy and he drinks a, a smart cocktail out of the, out of that drink but it turns out it's poison so then he needs to get the the, the serum to make himself better, and it's rolling around on the floor. Then he leaves, gets in the plane. The plane, they, they, they there's no gas in it, so he has to jump out in that yellow uh, 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 inflatable uh, boat, and he fly, he floats all the way down, and then that, that lands that in the snow, so and then it goes hokey. into the to the river. And then what about the last twenty? The last twenty of Temple of Doom are also spectacular. From the time he gets in the coal car. And it rolls through, and then he has to put it out. He has to jump out, and, and with his feet, he stops it, and they're really hot. And then he wants water, and then all of a sudden, the water comes rushing through. Then he goes out on the bridge. The whole oh, it's terrific. It's, when they fall on the mountain in that raft, first yeah. of all, that's so hokey. And then they're having that's a, the word I'm looking. They're for. having a full on conversation in the raft, and of course, '80s Hollywood. They're just showing weird images of trees going by as the raft is going down. Clearly, they're in a soundstage somewhere. I mean. It's terrible. It's it's absolutely. There's no way you're going to jump out of a plane on a raft and you're going to land right side up. Don't come in here again. And t- and, uh, what? You're going to talk. You're going to debate the reality of what happened. Doctor Jones isn't. He's a human being, but he's. But you know, you understand. He's sort of. He's sort of a superhero in a way. Cut from the same cloth as Batman. You understand. I'm not saying he has superpowers, but he, you know, he's he's resilient in a way that most of us wouldn't be able to. Be. I can't believe that you would say this. That's was the a best, great picture. Best 20 minutes in the trilogy. How about in the original one when he gets lowered into the map room, sets up the staff of Ra, the, 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 the sunlight beams down on the map of Tannis, and he figures out where the Well of Souls is. That is clearly better. Wow. Then Kate Capshaw and that little guy, what was his name? Short round. Could he have been any more annoying? Short round. Well, what's interesting about that is what most people don't know about Temple of Doom is that it is, in fact, a prequel. That is that happened before Raiders of the Lost Ark in, in the chronology of the pictures. The thing that's intriguing about that is there's never a mention of short round in Raiders of the Lost Ark or in Last Crusade. Which I, I don't know what happened to Short Round. Are we to assume that you know, he didn't make it on, on an adventure? He went and didn't pull through, and Doctor Jones just moved on without the poor lad. I feel that's what happened. I feel sad for him. All right, listen. Uh, we're, this is. Uh, well, I, I'm. Can we get back into this though? I'm happy to get back into this, and um, I, I'm not happy though with your uh, with your opinions on it. All right. Now, though, because like I say, it's Independence Day, I wanted to let's say hello to uh, the expatriate from the U.K., now an American. Actually, I don't know if he's an American, but he lives here in the U.S. of A. America! It's our old pal from Great Britain and uh, the, the greatest Dolphins fan I know. It's Handsome Hank. He's handsome Hank from England, handsome from England. He's handsome Hank from England, handsome from England. He's handsome Hank from England, handsome from England. His name is Handsome Hank. He's handsome Hank. He's handsome Hank. He's handsome Hank. 
Hello, handsome. How are you? Morning, Dave. Happy Fourth of July. Or does or does that well, count? Is that just no, another day on the calendar? It, for no, you? Well, it's not. It's actually it's a day of mourning. The end of the empire. Is that it how really you was feel? The beginning of the end. How, how? What is it like over there in the UK? Is there bitterness on July Fourth? Do you? Do, are you aware as a nation when we're celebrating our independence from you and your and your uh, and your crotchety king. old uh, queen and king and everybody? What do you think that? Uh, I, I don't think that anyone is uh, sitting around thinking too hard about it. But now that I'm here and you know there's fireworks and you guys all dressed in Star Spangled Banners, yeah, it it, it feels you know it it, it hurts. Do you feel so? But will you barbecue? No, as a matter of principle, I'll microwave tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> you will you allow the little ones to uh, because they're well. Actually, your your younger child is an American citizen. She is. She will be allowed out by herself. So, but um, so so there will be no acknowledgement of the fireworks. Let's go out. Let's lay out a blanket. No, no, we'll close the curtains. I mean, she can go out. She's six months old now, so she can fend for herself. Uh, and, you know, she can celebrate the big day that you Americans do. And, and myself, uh, my wife, and um, my eldest British son will um, we'll close the curtains. And watch the, American Werewolf in, in London. And, yeah, exactly. You know, Bob Kraft is really anxious. He's one of the people in the NFL who really is anxious to see a team go to England. And I was thinking about that. Wouldn't that be funny if he was so anxious about it that he said, all right, I'll do it with my team. And then they were the uh, the London Patriots. That would be the height of irony. That would trump the Utah Jazz and the Los Angeles Lakers and all the other uh, um uh, you know, the confusing, ironic names right. like that. Wouldn't that be the best one? It, it would be good. I don't see it happening anytime soon. I mean, he, he, you know, he, they've the Patriots are very, very popular in the UK. They're the most popular team uh, in the UK, partly because of the their recent success. And you know, a lot of people jumped on that bandwagon. That seems which, strange. It does seem based strange. on the and name, that, the red, white, and blue, and and he's just running in his face. I mean, he's right on the hat, flying Elvis, or absolutely in his stance, Pat the Patriot. Either yeah. way, it's a, he's thumbing his nose at you and you guys well, embrace that we've embraced it um you I mean, have I no dignity personally uh, in fact i reject it um but but uh, you know the teams that have gone and given up a home game to play in the uk there's been seven games now and uh the patriots aren't one of them they haven't you know he's very keen to see a team over there and he's played two away games and he had this you know much more support for the patriots in the crowd probably than than there would be for you know, the first time they played the bucks and then the rams this year and the patriots will have a, a some kind of an advantage because there are more of their fans but uh you don't see him saying well you know what we love you so much we're going to give up one of our home games black tie you're also not a native oh wait wait a second you are a native of the u.s then you moved over to africa for the bulk of your youth and now you're back so how will you celebrate the fourth of july like any other normal day like you know it's still a it's still a good day but i'm not let, let's put it this way I, I am an american citizen right but by heart i'm not american i grew up in nigeria so that's where my i don't understand is. what you're getting at stop being vague does that mean you're not gonna put a wiener on the grill i might but who knows? We'll see. What about what happens in Texas? Because Texas is another interesting case because in a lot of ways you don't fancy yourselves as Americans. Well, yeah, we are our own country. In fact, what do I – Do you think that – is that what Texas people think? Well, uh, yeah. In fact, we do. As a matter I, – I, I feel like I'm compelled to tell you that I'd get into an 85 GMC pickup with my gun rack and just put a couple guns. I usually leave one rack empty. So I don't want to have it totally filled. And then I pop open my beer and put it between my legs <laughs> because we allow gun racks in open containers, which what? is completely false. They haven't done that since like 1986, but that's all I ever hear. So I just figured I'd 
feed into that. Well, E.H. Elliot Harrison is in here. How do you follow you on the Twitter? Elliot Harrison NFL. I think you already know the. Is that the, the correct answer? Elliot Harrison NFL. You, you've typed it so many times. How could you forget already? At Damashek is how you get in touch with me. NFL UK Hank is how you hit it's up. It's at uh, Harrison Hanson. underscore. Oh, at NFL. Harrison. All right. Oh, okay. That's that's a little complicated. That it underscore is. Fabiano is the one that that maybe he deliberately set it up so people would have a hard time finding me on Twitter. Um. So. What you did, uh, you and I actually did something. Well, first of all, on NFL.com right now, you're going through your top 20 games for 2012. That's fun to start looking at now. Because, uh, you know, we're in July now. It's it's almost here. I really, I, it kind of snuck up on me. You know, by the end of this month, teams are going to be in training camp. And then, you know, then, then, the, then the exhibition games start being played. And before you know it, we're watching NFL football 2012. It's It's crazy. But, you know, it's... I mean, it's. I guess it's a look ahead, but it's also a look back at the 20 greatest games of 2011. And I know we're getting so close to the new season, but July has always been the slowest month, you know, in the NFL schedule. A lot it of, is, as I know. You know, right. pe- people the build up. Had, right. You had the build up, but you also have people at the teams taking vacations now. There's really no news before training camp of great import, other than the you know the little side story here or there. So we thought it was a good uh, chance, including. Handsome Hank, who uh, runs our homepage, thought it was a good chance to take a one last look back at 2011. We did it last year. It was really popular. And so we're doing it in descending order. So uh, last week we did 20 through 16, Monday through Friday. Uh, yesterday was game 15, uh, Texans-Bengals. Good rookie quarterback matchup, TJ Yates and Andy Dalton fighting for a playoff spot at the end of the year. And I'm, then, I'm, by the way, can I tell you, we'll, get through, we'll start uh, going through some of these, but Bengals, I, the more I think about it, the more I'm starting to think in the AFC North, I think they might be the team to beat. They should scare you. I mean, as a lifelong Steelers fan, I would be, I'm citing you, you should be worried about the Cincinnati Bengals. I think they had the best draft uh, of all the teams and definitely had one of the best off seasons. Yeah, I don't love uh, the law firm at running back there. Said Benson was superior for all of his troubles and for his weeks off and sometimes dropping the ball and, you know, being a head case and all that sort of thing. I don't love Ben Jarvis Green Ellis as a runner, and I also don't love anybody who leaves the Patriots. They have a knack. They're one of those handful of teams. Pittsburgh is an, is another one of those teams that se- seems to have some sense of how to deploy individuals and how to use them and get the most out of them. And then when those guys go elsewhere, they just they just vanish. So I don't know that that guy can carry the load. But then, of course, as they say, it's a quarterback league, and a lot of teams seem to be able to do just fine without much of a running game. Can so. I Can I change your mind on that signing a little bit? Go. They didn't want to overspend. Uh, the The Michael Bush sweepstakes were going on. They decided to go with a safe option in the law firm. And the way I see it, Marvin Lewis is looking to play defense, not throw the ball 50 times a game, not turn the ball over, and that's where the law firm comes into play. He's not going to get you 25 to 30 carries a game. So they're going to have to rotate backs in there. But what he is going to do is he's going to protect the football. He's never fumbled in his pro career. He never fumbled in college either. The Bengals are not going to give you a break. They're going to play Bill Parcells football. Andy Dalton. Is yeah, not- Dalton is Dalton is uh, is the perfect fit for that kind of thing too. He's right. not. He, he strikes me as a guy who, over the course of his career, is never going to throw you know eighteen interceptions in a season. I believe he went the first three games or so last year without throwing a pick in his rookie campaign. That's what the Bengals want to do. We're not going to give you any breaks. We're going to throw the ball when we have to. We're going to run the football. No giveaways, and then our defense is good. We're going to let Mike Zimmer do what he does. 
and we're going to win 20 to 17. I think the law firm is perfect for that kind of situation. Yeah, but, well, it's incongruous, though, that when you start throwing the ball as much as the Bengals are presumably going to be throwing, you turn the ball over more. That is the downside of, of throwing the ball all the time, is that you are going to not be able to just grind a team out. You know, they aren't built now, even though they do have a, a nifty offensive line. That's another thing. That's their, their that's the secret to why they were good last season and why they should be a good they, a, again this year but they don't really they're not they're not built in the backfield to just grind you but all right we'll get to those games the other thing that's on nfl.com that i wanted to talk about is me and uh, elliot did something called upon further review it's a new debate segment you know that's what they like now if you turn on your tv on your sports dial people like when people debate stuff you know have you ever heard that you ever listen to sports radio They they like when they like one guy says like I think one thing, and then the other guy goes like, "What? You're crazy!" And then they argue for twenty minutes, and it's it's captivating. Elliot and I did that uh, uh, the other day. It was fun, and now it's up online. And we debated which team in the NFC in twenty that was a playoff team in twenty eleven shall not be a playoff team in twenty twelve. I'll just give you, you know, go and watch it, dig it up. It's called Upon Further Review. Like I say, you can also see it at uh, davedamashek.nfl.com. But um, you sent it out on Twitter, didn't you? I did send it so out. So your on the tweets? Twitter. Yeah, I did. But listen, I say that it's uh, Detroit is the team that's not going to make it, and I say that the Cowboys are going. You're a Cowboys fan, Elliot Harrison. Tell me why you're down on these Cowboys. What makes you think that that isn't a team that's now ready to? The model is the Houston Texans. I keep talking about the Texans. In 2010, they were a prolific offense and had been for a couple of years, but the the secondary was so putrid, you know, they kept losing games 34-31. That was the, that was the thing that kept them out of the playoffs for a couple straight years. Then they go out and then they fix the thing. Jonathan Joseph, they get uh, uh Brandon Harris from Miami. All of a sudden, the weakness is a strength. The Cowboys did exactly that this offseason and now they're ready to soar. You know, I think what are we, 15 minutes in here? I'm finally getting warmed up after you hammered me for my Temple of Doom. You're the opinion. one who brought I, that on yourself. I, I finally feel like I'm in the in the flow here. The Cowboys, I was just talking to Steve Weiss in the newsroom yesterday. I know. Name dropper, right? Mm-hmm. And we were... Who? We were oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Come on. Steve, Steve is awesome. Love Weiss. Steve and I are both defensive guys. We were lamenting the fact that, you know, one defensive player does not impact a football game anymore. He doesn't. Darrell Rivas, yes, he's great. So what, what do teams do against the Jets? They just throw over the middle or throw to the other side. And that's because of the rules changes and the way the game has evolved. And where I'm going with this is the Cowboys. I don't think that you can just grab Brandon Carr, who, oh, by the way, is not Darrell Rivas, throw him out there with a rookie and say, okay, hey, we're done. Because you still got Gerald Sensabaugh lined up at safety. you still got Allen Ball. They brought in Brodney Poole. From the Jets. I mean, Abram Elam was bad enough. Do we have to bring another <laughs> Rob Ryan reject in there? I mean, why don't we just start, like, you know, why don't we call Brock Marion out of retirement? I mean, really. Uh, I don't think the Cowboys are getting enough from their pass rush. I know that seems odd because DeMarcus Ware had 19 and a half sacks. But Anthony Spencer, their other first-round pick on the other side, isn't giving them enough. If you remember the Chargers a few years ago when Sean Marion was lights out, don't forget they had Sean Phillips on the other side. The Steelers. Lamar Woodley and James Harrison have been as good as it's it's been at the 3-4 or with the 3-4. DeMarcus Ware and Anthony Spencer can't do the same for them. And so as long as you get Ware out of the game, 
you're going to toast the Cowboys all day long. And look at the history, Dave. I mean, what have the Cowboys – I love the Cowboys. You know, I grew up with them. But honestly, what have they done to give you any confidence that they're going to go 10-6, and six, secure a playoff spot, and actually do some damage? They tweak the offensive line. And the main thing is, first of all, on offense is just the, the odds – are that at some point they're going to have some decent health. Things have to break their way. Tony Romo is always hurt. I, I, I mean, I guess that's sort of like sitting at Vegas and uh, sitting in, uh, in the uh, casino in Vegas and saying, well, I keep losing. Eventually, i got to start winning. Now I'm going to really double down on everything here. But Romo, Austin, Desi Bryant, if they can stay healthy – for the bulk of the season, they're going to be an unstoppable offense, obviously, with Witten and Murray and Felix Jones, another guy who can't stay healthy, DeMarco Murray. I mean, all those names pretty much have, have had uh, career-long health issues with the exception of Witten. If they can stay right for one season, it could be magical, and they don't have to be the Ravens of ought-ought. You know, they can, they, they can be a, a reasonable defense. They can be a mediocre defense, and that'll be good enough. But like you say, where maybe Rob Ryan can uh, crack the code and get Spencer going again. And now they have legitimate playmakers back there. Brandon Carr is, if nothing else, an above-average corner. And Morris Claiborne, on the other side, the rookie who you reference, is capable of being dynamic from from day one. So I think that, like I say, it's, an, it's not that they have to be a stellar shutdown defense, but in that division, going up against Eli and going up against uh, going up against Mike Vick and RG three, that's going to be. I, I imagine that the 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 the, uh, the stereotypical tight defensive affair isn't really going to be happening that much in twenty twelve. Well, you know, Hank, you're a Dolphins guy. You know, that's always been your team, Tannehill. Would you have a problem if they sat him? No, not at all. I oh. think it's I think it's exactly the right thing it, to do. It's the right thing to do, right? Right. So why is corner any different than quarterback? Uh, because I think they are expected to to make those plays. Part of that is all down to your athletic ability, and and that shouldn't change between um, between college and the NFL. Wait, what, what? Your your premise is that Tannehill shouldn't start. Listen, they now start a lot of teams. Robert Griffin the third is going to be starting. Andrew Luck is going to be starting. That's the way of, of the twenty first century. But, but, but my, when guys are are first round draft picks, they typically start from right. day okay, one but, now. But my, and they do well. But my point is, my point is, first of all. I agree with you about athletic ability, but there's a lot more option routes in the NFL. Receivers are changing their routes based on where the safeties line up. They don't do that in college like they do in the pros. Claiborne's going to have to get used to that. My point is there's an adjustment period. And you can't just take a guy that's been playing in Kansas City and throw him out at one corner and take a rookie. These are two guys that haven't played together. The reason why the passing offenses were so prolific, I think, during the first half of last year it's because the secondaries weren't able to practice together by virtue of the lockout. There were no OTAs. There were no mini camps, and you had a truncated tra- training camp. I know you like the use of the word truncated. I could, I could see the gleam in your eye, uh, the gleam that wasn't there for my Temple of Doom opinion. Either way, the Cowboys secondary is going to need time to work together. I don't think you just throw them out there unless, unless Marcus Spears all of a sudden becomes maybe a six-sack guy instead of a .5-sack guy. Or Anthony Spencer actually gets you a little pressure on the other side. If that happens, like what the Lions can do, which is get pressure, then I could see the Cowboys being a lot better. I don't think it's going to happen. But then it comes back to the point to to the same point that mm-hmm. once you've got two, you know, sort of above average corners, they're both going to look better than they really are. And I think that's what you end up having with with those two guys back there. So that's the hope. You, you you hope you can get that extra pass rush, but I think you will have you know two pretty good corners back there who can make everything look a bit better. And, and you've got Mike Jenkins. 
Here's yeah. the other. Yeah, that's trade. exactly barring right. I always trade. talk about. I always talk about when you can start slotting guys where they belong appropriately. It's when you start saying that when you're the Chicago Bears of 2011 and you say Johnny Knox has to be our number one wide receiver. Well, that's going to be a real problem for your offense. Johnny Knox, obviously, he's probably uh, you know I, I don't uh, think he's going to be anywhere close to ready for the start of the season this year. But you know the idea that Devin Hester now becomes your no- number three wide receiver rather than a guy you're trying to rely upon right. to make uh, to be a legitimate make legitimate consistent contributions week after week that's the beauty of you bring in Brandon Marshall now Alshon Jeffrey is a legitimate number 2 there and Devin Hester is now merely is, is just out there. Hey, run as fast as you can in a straight line, and they have to respect you. Same basic premise here now. You know that you, you try and slot that guy as your number one shutdown corner. That's not going to work out if you throw him in there as your nickel. That's a that's an above average option. Well, you know, on the subject of nickel, nickel is so important now. You always think of the two starting cornerbacks, but so many teams go three wide, and you have to cover a guy like Victor Cruz or Wes Welker out of the slot. By the way, some really good slot receivers are coming back from injury. Danny Amendola in St. Louis, Jordan Shipley in Cincinnati. There are a lot of good slot receivers in the league. The Cowboys do have a pretty good slot corner in Orlando Skandrick. If he can play ball, and again, they can get some kind of pressure from Marcus Spears, who admitted, I saw the other day, that he hasn't played like a first-round pick. I read that from one of our great ATL guys on the site. Uh, You know, look, if those guys can play, the Cowboys will be a lot better. Sean Lee, their inside linebacker, is one of the best-kept secrets in the NFL. Uh, But offensively, Dave, you mentioned Desi Bryant. The guy's got to learn to play more than a quarter and a half. Miles uh, Austin can't afford to have... Randy Moss has worked out pretty well only (laughs) playing a quarter and a half at a time. I'm really worried about the Cowboys' guard situation. They signed uh, uh, McKenzie Bernardo. They they basically just did some patchwork because you can't have superstars at every position. But I I guess I'm old school. I still think offensive and defensive line is really the way that you win in the NFL. And the Cowboys are not strong in either area. And, And that's a problem. Ratliff and Ware don't make you strong? Where's not a DN? You're calling him a, a, I'm, I'm, an outside line. Yeah, which I understand right. in the 3-4, it's similar. But look at the Steelers. Great example. For years, they had Aaron Smith. They had Kiesel. They had Casey Hampton. Their front three alone, without the linebackers, could dictate games. I mean, Aaron Smith played the run better than anyone at the 3-4 end probably ever. And Casey Hampton, I think, has been one of the most underrated players of the entire decade, irrespective of position. Uh, and then Brett Kiesel has been a very good player, too. I'm sorry, but Marcus Spears and Jason Hatcher just aren't quite of the same ilk or even close. Jay Ratliff is a very good player. Well, the Steelers have reloaded that uh, that front three on their defensive line, too, um, over the last couple of years. But here's the thing with Detroit, I'll say to you, is that no, the thing we didn't bring up when we did our upon further review debate is everybody is assuming that everybody's ignoring the fact they're going to have suspensions. All this nonsense, that all the the stuff that they've become the Bengals North in this offseason, they're going to have guys sitting down. Everybody, well, we have we have Mikel LeSure, who I think by midseason will be their starting back, but he's likely going to miss a couple of games. I think that's what he's suspended for, right? Yeah. Two games? That's official. Yeah, the that- Fairley situation, Fairley could... Could face some discipline. So all that, all that nonsense going on, that's going to be a distraction. The Bengals, when, when all that stuff started to happen around uh, Cincinnati, they sort of fell apart too. I think that it's one of those things. You see it every year. And in fact, oh, Lombardi has a column on NFL.com right now that uh, addresses that very thing. 
the trend is in the NFL, there's always a team that one, you know, that, that comes out of nowhere, they go six and ten one season, then suddenly they are the, they're a playoff team. The Kansas City Chiefs two years ago were that. Uh, and, and then they fall back, you know, Tampa Bay didn't go to the playoffs in 2010, but they were 10 and six or, or 11 and five, and uh, they miss out. Those two teams then crash. You know, they, these young teams that come up out of nowhere, then they fall back down for a season, and then they, they get back on and track. And that's the interesting thing. Is that's what's going to be. Yes. The Lions are that team. They, they After 2012, they will say, my goodness, this enough's enough already. We must fix this secondary. And that's what they'll do. And, and then they'll go forward. And then they'll, and they'll be dominant. And by the way, they're in the division with the Packers and Bears, who both are gonna, both, uh, both of whom are going to be uh, good teams this year. Can I throw another team out there? That if there's one team I feel like just gets ushered into the playoffs, and with the Saints situation, they're being even ushered in more, are the Atlanta Falcons. And I just don't think the Atlanta Falcons are that good a football team. Uh, I could easily see the Falcons missing the playoffs, even with the Saints situation, or if the Falcons are able to make the playoffs, being one and done again. I mean, they got destroyed by the Giants last year. And don't you feel like the Falcons are always considered that team? Like, oh, they're, they're I don't like in. Matt Ryan. I, ne- I never like him, but maybe that offense is Matt Ryan-proof because they have – and it's not just Michael Turner at running back. They have some interesting guys that they can throw in there to, to, to spell him. And then those two wide receivers. How bad can your offense be – if you have those two guys, if you have Roddy White and Julio Jones, Tony Gonzalez is old now, and then they tweak the defense. Turner's They've 30. had some legitimate pieces. I know, but they have some uh, interesting options. The uh, or uh, uh, Jaquiz Rogers yeah. is small, but maybe he can cut the figure of a of a poor man's version of um, of MJD or someone like that. You know, not necessarily getting twenty twenty five carries in twenty twelve, but guy who touches the ball ten times a game. I like him. Well, one of the interesting things... And Jason Snelling has run well when he's gotten the chance. Yeah, he has. We we talked about secondaries, and the Falcons' secondary really struggled last year. They've always relied on John Abraham to get them pressure, but I think Jason Smith was telling me that he had a John Abraham Jets jersey, like in college, and, and Jason's, you know, 41. I mean, I mean, John Abraham's been around a long time. They, well, they, they get DeSanti Samuel, so maybe that's so, so that should make them better. Yeah, I hear what you're saying, but theory. that's the, that's the point with uh, with Detroit, though. You have this infinite list. Yeah, it's easy in a vacuum to talk about. Oh, that team's good. Detroit's going to be good. They should go to the playoffs. Well, listen, there are only six spots. You know, you have four division crowns and only two wild cards. Do you think that the Lions are going to beat the Packers? No, you don't. Do you? Right? I Packers think they could beat them in Detroit. I'm talking about for the division title. I do not. No. Packers win that division. Do you think the Lions are better than the Bears? No. Okay, so that's one wild card right there. You don't think that between in the in the East, you don't think between the Cowboys, Eagles, and Giants, you don't think that at least two of those teams are going to the playoffs? It's tough to say, but I, right now I, I definitely give the Lions a leg up. On, on, so one team wins that division, and then the other two that I just mentioned don't go. So if you I, say you think it's the Eagles this year, you don't think the Giants or the Cowboys well, let me, go to let the playoffs. Me, let me throw this out to you. Last year, three teams from the AFC North made the playoffs. I the, know it happened. Right, the Steelers, Ravens, Bengals. Here's the divisions they played other than their own. They played the NFC West, and they played the AFC South. Those are the divisions they played. Guess what divisions the NFC North plays this year? They play the AFC South. And the NFC I West. talk about it all the time. I don't think the NFC West is a joke anymore. The 49ers might be the best team in the NFC. And I don't it's not I, strong either. But the it, C, it may but not be a joke, the Seahawks, but it's not strong. The Seahawks and Cardinals are going to be good teams. 
I'd put the Seahawks and Cardinals way down the list. I don't, Hank, I don't say either one of them is a playoff team, but the point is that they're not, neither one of those teams is a is a punchline, and I don't think the Rams are for that matter either. How bad are they going to be? Sam Bradford in his third year with Jeff Fisher taking over with some good pieces on defense. Are they going to be is Steven Jackson still? Are they just are they just a joke of a team? No, I don't think so. I don't think they're a joke of a team, but I don't think they're much better than a five and eleven. You'll wait, wait wait till you watch. Think about this. Here's here's what people forget. Before, uh, one year ago, one year ago, everybody was talking about, watch out for the St. Louis Rams. Remember that? Everybody was high on them. I said, they're going to be terrible. They're going to start the season. They're going to they're, they're gonna start the season 0-5. That's exactly what they did. I said they that they were going to. a horrible schedule to start last I season. Said, they had, well, so I mean, what? Which, so I looked at the schedule. I said, they're going to go 0-5, and, and that's what they did. And then their, their, their season was ruined. Do you think Steve Spagnuolo – I mean, obviously, I'm not even going to get into a list of uh, of coaches that make a huge difference uh, from day one. You don't think Jeff Fisher taking over for Steve Spagnolo isn't going to be worth – let me think. Uh, three wins? I think three wins is a, is a relatively conservative guess, and if that's right – if I'm right about that, then they're not. Then there is no weak sister in that whole division. So your assumption that that well, they get the NFC West. There, ergo, that's uh, four easy wins for them or three easy wins I is think, nonsense. I think, Jeff and Fish- I've just told you that. Listen, New Orleans, New Orleans, Tampa Bay, Atlanta, and even Carolina. None of those teams is a complete joke, right? right. So, where, so where's your? So where are the Lions getting in? Who who are they beating to get into the postseason? I think they beat Dallas. Uh, I don't think they beat the Giants. I think the the postseason could easily look like Green Bay, Chicago, mm-hmm. New York Giants, Saints, 49ers. Eagles go to the playoffs. Eagles go to the playoffs and the Giants miss out. Yep, and that's I what agree I would that. say. I don't think, and you know, going back to your assertion about the NFC East, Dave. I think those teams always cancel each other out. So I think one team comes out of that division. It's who it's wins. Probably, yeah, I mean, obviously, it's who wins those it's head-to-head matches. who wins matches. a game in, on Christmas Day or something like that. That will decide that division. And the other, you know, be two teams who narrowly miss out. It's also fun to consider, you know, I'm no fan of parody. Um, I, I pine for the days of, uh, you know, I love the 70s when you had these juggernaut teams. And by the way, people say, well, that's because you rooted for one of those juggernaut teams. You rooted for the Steelers. But in the 70s, you had these titanic teams that come postseason every year. It was fantastic. Raiders, Vikings. It was the same teams every year. So Raiders, Dolphins, Steelers, Broncos were usually somewhere in the mix there. Uh, other side was always the Cowboys. The Rams always won the West. And uh, the Vikings were always good and so on. These handful of teams. And by the way, just to prove that I'm not, uh, that it's not based on my bias for the team I rooted for, I like Major League Baseball. I like that there's a, that there's a, a heavyweight in the Yankees, that they're always there to be contended with. I like the imbalance. But I know that I'm in the minority on that. I know people like parody. And I know the NFL loves parody. And to that extent, if you're a fan of parody, you must love the way things shape up right now in 2012. Because in the NFC, Think about the teams that you just would say now they don't have a chance of going to the postseason. How many can you count? Three, probably. You, you the Rams just, aren't going to yeah, the playoffs. You can do the same in the AFC. Well, I can count. I can count more than than three. I can count the Redskins, who I don't think are a joke either. But in that division, they're not going to go to the right. playoffs with a rookie QB. The Vikings not going anywhere. Near the, the Vikings playoffs. are the worst team in the NFL, I think, in 2012. They're going to wow. be terrible. Christian Ponder, their number one wide receiver, is a discontent uh, Percy Harvin. 
they, it might be Toby Gerhardt carrying the ball more than Adrian Peterson. That's a that's a formula for they need John you know, they need John Carlson wins. to give him something at the tight end position. Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, if John Even Carlson that, John Carlson yeah. gives him forty two catches this year, I don't, I, I don't think that <laughs> keeps him from being uh, you know a double digit loss team. And then so right, so those are those. Did we do it? Rams, Rams, Redskins, Vikings, you've Vikings said. in the AFC. The Browns, who are on the rise too, if Whedon shapes up um, to be the player I think he's going to be, they're still in that division is is brutal with the three teams above them. Cleveland is not going to be good. The AFC South is the difference maker because that's a bad division. The Colts stink. The Jags, you know, here's he wants some sunny uh, a sunny disposition from Dave. Well, I think Blaine Gabbert maybe. Well, uh, let's see if he's. Is if he can't do it this year, then he is an abject bust. But they have they have the makings of a halfway decent offense. Let me. Well, just, they can just plug Chuck anyway, Henney in there as well. But, but, so. Okay, but so the Jags and then who else? <laughs> oh, the the Dolphins are going to be atrocious. What? The, the Dolphins are going to be abysmal. They're going to be a bad team this year. They're going to re- regress this year. Um, Let me just interject one thing here to to circle this back. You were talking about parity, and you're citing all these teams that you think have a legitimate shot, or at least have a snowball's chance they're not going to necessarily be on the junk heap you know one thing about the nfl is that it you if you hearken back to the days of the 70s and early 80s when the same teams were going every year what made it cool when a team came out of nowhere to make the playoffs is that that didn't happen very often well now that happens all the time and the playoff teams are just different every year so it's not quite as cool when a team makes a giant leap like it was back in the 80s when a team really made a giant leap because of the way the situation was. And a lot of that has to do with player movement. You know, free agency and the salary cap, you have the people always think the parity is because teams are signing free agents and they're getting better. Actually, I think it's the good teams are getting worse because they're losing their key players than having to throw rookies and second-year players and practice squad guys in. And so to your point, I do think there's going to be a lot of turnover because I do think some of the good teams are going to get worse. I just don't think that the Lions are one of those teams that have gotten any worse. And they were good last year. Their schedule is not more difficult this year. So why shouldn't they make the playoffs? And they didn't just eke in with a, you know. Well, they, because I told you, I, a big a big reason why is legitimately is that what are suspensions that I assume are going to be there. And it's not like those things, again, those things just happen and then they have no impact on things. I, I think that legitimately there will be a, a culture of what's going on here and, you know, g- fractured uh, relationships and so on and, what you know, how that undermines a locker room and all that. I mean, I obviously don't know what the personality are in the Detroit locker room and how that's going to shake shake out but I mean they did that's an issue that is going to make things worse in a place that already is a severely flawed right. team which is that I mean practically on the field they have a terrible secondary and they didn't fix that and now you have all this personality nonsense going on the other thing is that they they played their best football at the start of last season and they kind of limped into the playoffs a little bit they, if if they if they don't win their first five games or whatever it was that they won last year, maybe they don't make the playoffs at all. So they and, they need to to re, re, kind of reproduce that type of form again. And you're right too, because and that's that falls directly. You know, Javid Best goes out. 
it's assuming a great deal that Jav at best is going to be anything that he's ever going to play football again. He might do well to to uh, take a, a but full season off. They didn't have him off. the majority of last year. I know, but they did have him coming out of the gate. And now you're so now the assumption is that either Kevin Smith, who had you know a couple of nice weeks right in the middle of the season, right around Thanksgiving or whenever, and then. Uh, and LeSure, who I think is going to be good, but we don't know. He's coming back from Achilles. He's going to be coming back from suspension and so on. So that assumes a lot. And I know it's laughable. I'd love to laugh about it, except 12 years of the Madden curse can't be denied. Everybody who's on the cover of that game, it gets gets dropped. It's the way it is. I don't, look, I don't want to believe in that hokum, but what am I going to do? Ignore it? Pretend it doesn't happen. It happens to every 12 people have been on the cover. 12 men have suffered for it. No, you have a good point because on the cover of my Star Wars Battlefront 2. All right, you can a, make your there, jokes. No, there's a stormtrooper, and I just watched <laughs> Star Wars the other day. They can't hit the broad side of a barn in that movie. They really All right. can't. True. That's exactly right. Do you remember the part where in, uh, Skywalker, he, he goes to the other side with Leia and the... Uh, you know, like, and they're trying to shoot at him from the of from the opening, and they just they don't even get anywhere near him. Well, the 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 funny thing about that is is that uh, when the Jawas, you know, are all slaughtered by the stormtroopers, and Kenobi and Skywalker find them right before Skywalker realizes, like, he's like, but if they were looking for the droids, that would lead them home. And he runs in, <laughs> and and he, and, he, and he goes home, and he finds uh, uh, Uncle Owen yeah. and Aunt Beru are already gone. They're smoking. There's that's like, exactly wasn't right. They, they were torched. Yeah. You know that little torched. valley that the... Uh, that but, they, but he observes. Kenobi says, no, the, the, this, this was made to look like that, but it, but the, these the, these blaster marks are, are too accurate. That's the work of Imperial troopers. So it's it's funny then that they can't hit anything yeah. from that point forward. They're established as marksmen. Didn't the Jawas... You have those movies I, over there? Yeah, yeah. Wait, the Star Wars did, movies. But that, that moment where the, where the, st- the smoking bodies of, of mm-hmm. his aunt and uncle is in a in what is a kid's movie is kind of shocking. You sort of get everything up Quite until dark. that point. Is, yeah. And then you're like, whoa. As is, as is Skywalker's <laughs> resilience about the whole event. Right. But, yeah. but you know the little valley? Didn't the Jawas like, uh, attack either 3PO or R2-D2 in that little valley on Tant- uh, Tatooine? I, 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 I couldn't remember. They didn't but, attack. They grabbed R2-D2. They, 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 yeah. they gave him the right. stun gun. They, yeah. they, they, you know, they short-circuited him. They grabbed him. They that put little him corridor, in that little valley that they're in on Tatooine is the exact same, to bring this full circle, is the exact same valley where Harrison Ford in the original Raiders has the bazooka aimed at the Ark, and he yells at... Is that true? Yeah, it's the exact same... You know that, or you you're speculating? I, I, no, I just was reading about that the other day. They used oh, the really? exact same... Yeah, because Lucas and Spielberg did uh, you know Raiders. That was a Lucas production. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah I like that. kind of cool, huh? Also cool in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Here's a, one of those weird uh, things that you, if you watch Raiders, when in that scene when he's pointing the bazooka down... Great scene. And the guy's yelling up to him... Mm-hmm. Um, what was that guy's oh, name? Oh, I know what you're going to say. The, Balak? The... Yeah, when the fly lands Talk on him and crawls into the, his mouth. Talk about in the scene, man. There's a, a fly lands on the actor's face, and as he's delivering his dialogue, the fly crawls into his mouth, and he just keeps on keeps going, going like it didn't happen. Fascinating stuff. I, I did the same thing with you when Hank's over here looking at me like, you're a blithering idiot. I can't believe you work for us. <laughs> I, keep this, I keep it going. <laughs> All right, black tie. What do you say? Do you want to get into the blacklist here? What do you want to do, fella? It's about time, guys. Oh, it's time. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt your, uh, no, your it's July like, 4th it, it, it's actually, It's actually refreshing to see you guys talk about football this much in depth. And I'm giving much props to Elliot Harrison. Well, I'm I don't look- know what that's supposed to mean. I'm looking over. He has a stat pass open. He's, you know, he's real football talk. 
That's I do. What, what are you talking? It's a slap in my face and in Rank's face and in Handsome Hank's face. We it talk really football is. all the time. You, you so, like basketball. Dare you. That's right. Uh, we haven't talked Alan Ball at all. <laughs> all right, Black Tie. Get into your precious blacklist. The blacklist. Black Tie reads current events. The blacklist. Damn it, check and rank if they're coming. The blacklist. The blacklist. All right, guys. First up this week is the NBA free agency. It's NHL free agency. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, it's even in soccer. Actually, it's free agency right now. How, I mean, how can you attack right us for not? Well, it's re- it's refreshing to hear some football talk. Well, it's NBA free agency time. <laughs> <laughs> well, hockey free agency. You're a puck guy. I, yes, I am. But uh-huh. that's not the issue. I'm happy to talk about those. I don't shy from other subjects. Now, continue. All right. All right. Yes, it's free agency. You're it right. is. Is All John right. Casey still the goalie for the Minnesota North Stars? He's not. No. Oh. All right. My bad. All right, so my question is, who's the best hashtag NFL free agency signing ever? NFL specific? Yes. Oh, that's, that's easy. That's a slam dunk. That's easy. I know that one. Why? Drew Brees? No. Reggie White. Reggie White. Reggie White? Better than Drew Brees? I, equal. I I got to go equal. Because nobody wanted to sign in Green Bay. They, he, he helped completely exactly. turn that thing around and... Uh, Reggie White was the first. I mean, 93 was the first year of free agency, the Freeman McNeil case, all that stuff. And Reggie White just turned that whole. But, but, I mean, you can make a great argument for Breeze, too. Sure. Well, Breeze, the argument here is, the the reason I'll say Breeze is for exactly what you said. Reggie White made a bold move by going to Green Bay when it wasn't a desirable landing spot for free agents. But the other side of that is, you talk about the savvy move. Of course, Green Bay wanted Reggie White. Everybody would want Reggie White on their team. No, there there were very few teams at that point when Drew Brees signed with uh signed with New Orleans that desire a lot of people thought wow we don't know what's with his shoulder mm-hmm. he might never throw well again obviously that was a gamble so in that so to, to that extent that's the better signing because they gambled and won Reggie White was a given that he was going to be good wherever he went one of my favorite NFLs Dave was is the one that you did with what if Drew Brees had actually signed with the Dolphins that is a good it allows one. me to drift into uh, imaginary land I find when I do these NFLs the uh, you know it's sort of uh, the alternate uh, reality for the NFL, the animated thing, you can look it up on uh, on DaveDamashek.NFL.com. I, uh, I I like that it does provide that uh, wish fulfillment yes. for long suffering fan bases. Yep. I uh, I just uh, I don't want to tip my hand, but I just did one about uh, Scott Norwood that's oh, coming wow. up soon. What, what if Scott Norwood that makes that kick? Right. It was about that. It was about oh, that okay. kick. <laughs> That's what that one was about. But, yes, I I enjoy being able to uh, deliver a title, even though it might just be in your imagination. So, all right. So And also, you know, Curtis Martin, that was an interesting one. He goes within the division. Imagine if a key guy – well, I guess Johnny Damon went from the Red Sox to the Yankees. In those two towns, if you swap a guy like that – wait, I feel like now that I'm saying that, hasn't that happened recently? Did somebody go from one team uh, from the Patriots to the Jets or vice versa? Who am I thinking of? Patriots to Jets or vice versa? That's Scott it. Zolak. No, oh, that's not. Nice. It was, it was a significant well. guy recently. By the way, Hank, I, I gave him the idea for the Breeze NFL. He gives me no credit for that. Um, Zero. That is true. As a, as a matter of fact, Elliot did bring that one up as a, as a good idea, and it did turn. I love the cluster. NFL. I think it's the coolest thing Dave does. It is. What about like my favorite uh, awesome. he does? What about uh, have you seen me play basketball? No, would, I haven't seen you play Clue either. One. That would jump to number one. What about uh, – so Curtis Martin, though, goes from 
um, the Patriots. In fact, he plays in a Super Bowl with the Patriots. If I, yeah, he plays. He played against Reggie White in yep. the in the Super, Super Bowl, Bowl thirty one. And then he goes to the Jets. That was a pretty big free agent and, signing. And the first year he was with the Jets, they go to the AFC Championship game and give Denver all they can handle. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Elways last mm-hmm. year. But I want right. to throw one other guy out uh, that we did this instant debate on the website a long time ago, and I knew everyone was going to say Breeze, and I I understand that. But you know the Saints signed another guy uh, that helped them get that Super Bowl. I submit to you that the Saints never win uh, Super Bowl Forty Four if they don't sign Darren Sharper that year. They signed him to a one-year deal. It was for a very inexpensive deal. I think it was less than three million bucks. The guy gave him nine interceptions yep. and three return. I was going to say it seemed like he got on a run of about six straight weeks of uh, intercepting a pass and running it in for a touchdown it or was, picking up a fumble. It was ridiculous. The Saints' takeaways were their big secret that year. That yeah. and and they could run the ball too uh, at the end of game. So Breeze was. Phenomenal, and they never would get anywhere without Breeze. But Darren Sharper really made the difference in that team. And uh, another guy who was moving all over the place, it seemed like every season was uh, prime time. Deion Sanders goes from Atlanta to San Francisco, wins the Super Bowl. Then he goes to the Cowboys they when win. they're arch rivals. That was uh, that was an interesting time, too. And wherever he went, it seemed like that team would become the best team. And then he because he's matching up with either Jerry Rice or Michael Irvin, so that was always uh, well. The, the interesting thing is when Dion signed with the Cowboys, they uh, they went week one. They went up to New York and they started Larry Brown and Kevin Smith, and they were negotiating with Dion, but they hadn't gotten anywhere. And Kevin Smith tears his Achilles in like the second quarter. <laughs> and that definitely, you know. Up yeah. the ante a little bit for how much money Dion was going to get. Remember, he did the, the whole commercial, the whole both commercial that they played mm-hmm. like ad nauseum for three years. Someday, yeah. you know, what we have to talk about is how the Steelers should have won Super Bowl thirty and beaten those Cowboys. Um, all right, black There's tie. There's a point there. Yeah, of course, that's a that's a valid point. Of course, if it weren't for Neil O'Donnell and those terrible passes. All right, black tie. Next up on the on the blacklist. All right, it's the last one because we're running out of time. But real quick, what do you mean running out of time? We are running out of time. I thought this was a podcast. Yeah. Can we get yeah, to go yeah. like? Two Believe minutes me, over? this is every week. No, we have oh. like three minutes left. We're running oh. out of time here. But uh, Chris Berman, he's calling a Monday night football game in week one of the season. I don't have a question here, guys. He is? But, uh, he is. But hashtag talk about it. Um, all right. Well, I think well, – I don't know why we would talk about that. I mean, I think that instead I'm just look, looking forward to hearing what he has to say about that. Who's his broad – oh, Trent Dilfer. Yeah. I, I, it I love seems Dilfer. wrong. They, I do too. I they, think Dilfer is – to quote you, gangbusters. I do. I think he's terrific, but I feel bad that Tej isn't going to be in there because that's a, he's going to call Trent Dilfer Tej anyway. I'll just <laughs> Tej. Look, you got the AFC West here. You got the San Diego Chargers. You got the Kansas City Chiefs. You got uh, Len Dawson. You got uh, you got Dan Fouts. You 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 got uh, Jim Plunk. Look, there were a lot of great players in the AFC West, but Phil Rivers. It's really putting together a pretty nice career. This just in, he throws like a girl. Back with uh, Monday Night Football. Yeah, I, I, I'm looking forward to it. Well, honestly, I'm not work, looking that much forward. Me either, but... But I, Trent Dilfer will be good as an analyst. I have to admit that I was a big fan of NFL primetime back in the day when they first launched sure, when that they show. Would show. When it was like 20 minutes per game oh, of highlights. Oh, great. Yeah. And, and uh, Jackson had just retired. You know, so he was pretty fresh, and that was a great show, man. I watched it every Sunday. That was must-see TV. Yeah, I enjoy, I'm not going to jive you. Yeah, listen, grew up watching when I first got uh, cable TV in 1983. I loved uh, Chris Berman doing all his nicknames for baseball players and stuff. Yeah, 
Yeah, that was good. It got so bad with me. I knew all the little highlight cuts, you know, that they would use. I'd be like, oh, I know this one. I, I, bet, I know this too. I bet. Here's what, you know what I bet is uh, that uh, that Chris Berman will say Raiders a few times. like But like the way he says, like, the Raiders. I bet you. What's the over-under on that? Does he get he'll the say, double digits? Five, five or six. More no. than the Bills circling the wagons? So. <laughs> I have one for everybody. How about can I do a blacklist? Is that all right? The checklist can we do? Black tie. I'm gonna do one. Andy Griffith passed away. You know, he passed away. He's a you know he's a star of at least two TV shows: the Andy Griffith Show and then Matlock, of course, later in life. Who is the greatest in your book? I'll be interested to hear from a guy who grew up in Nigeria, guy who grew up in uh, the UK, and a guy who grew up down south. How these? How your favorites line up with mine who is the greatest lead character in tv history we could even just keep it the sitcoms characters i'm talking about lead character i don't want to hear i don't want to hear cliff clavin because he's not a, a lead character um i will go with john cleese in faulty towers all right well that's uh, that's expected that's pretty good, right? yeah no that's pretty good yeah that's that's perfectly acceptable and right in line with what i would have uh, expected you to say. Okay. Black tie. Are you much older guys probably don't know this, but I have to go with Jack Bauer. He's a legend. Twenty four. Jack Bauer. He started thinking. That's you, fine. You can go TV Jack. You know show. what? I didn't. I, I have to admit. I didn't watch uh, Twenty Four. I never have seen an episode of that is... show. E H. Well, sitcom. Boy, I mean, that's there's so many good ones. John Ritter comes to mind immediately. I, that's I thought, a great one. But, good for you. But I think if I was just going TV, most impactful to me would, ha would have to be Leonard Nimoy to me because they launched a whole, I mean, the Trekkies and, and no one thought that Spock's character was going to be popular. The executives tried to kill that character. They hated it. Gene Roddenberry, like, fought for it. And, of course, now Spock is ungodly famous. you're weird there's not very very often that you hear uh, two two sport uh, athletes like that you know it's as rare as a two sport athlete as somebody who appreciates star wars and star trek you're either, you're usually one or the other i don't even know if you're allowed to by do the that. way though it's like being a yankees and mets fan i might have to disallow you, that you didn't watch star trek did you no i didn't i didn't I, i've seen it and i didn't care for it hank do you watch star no, trek no, 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 uh, then i guess this point would be lost i'm just gonna say deforest kelly was a very underrated actor he was bones yeah, in, uh, I know Star who Trek. he was. Yeah. I know who he was. Um, by the way, you guys are all wildly inaccurate. First of all, Homer Simpson and Sam Malone. That is the answer. Those are that is however you want to rank them. I will hear your argument. They're one and one A. And I don't know if Jack Donaghy on Thirty Rock counts, but he would be in there at number three for me. But listen, Jack Tripper is in the top five too. People laugh at that. That shows a great mix of unintentionally funny and also actually very funny because of him. He's great in that. And as I've said many times before, and I will say again now, the premise of Three's Company is insane. I think that is one of the – no way. I like some, Mr. Furley. Somehow that one went under the radar. Well, Mr. Furley was great, but Mr. Roper is the greatest. You, oh, can't, beat, you, you can't beat Roper as much as Furley tried. He did a capable job, but – he Roper was even the, better than Snyder in One Day at a Time, oh, yes, and that's both, saying something. Both are better, but Three's Company, here's the premise of the show. There are two women who live together, you see, right. and then a guy moves in with them. And first of all, the landlord, Mr. Roper, he's homophobic, but he's also close-minded and old school, so he's homophobic enough that he doesn't like Jack Tripper being gay, but he's cool with the gay guy living with two women 
as long as he's gay. But if he wa- but if, if he were straight, then that would also be verboten. So that's a bizarre thing. And then the two women, it's a two-bedroom apartment. They don't get a fold-out couch or anything. They both sleep on single beds as though they're in a dormitory. They're off. They're like concubines kept off in a room. Meantime, Jack Tripper is in the room next door with a huge king-size waterbed. He womanizes constantly with his pal Larry Dallas. They go out and they, uh, you know, they, they they chase skirt all night. They all have these crazy plans to get it. But anytime either one of the two women brings home a man, they have to sabotage it. Tripper doesn't like it, and he sabotages it because, of course, this is his. These are his concubines, not the world's to share. No one says boo about that bizarre premise. And Mr. Roper then, he moves on to greener pastures with Mrs. Roper. And Mr. Furley comes in and, wouldn't you know it, has the exact same worldview. He, he's also homophobe, even though maybe is gay himself. And maybe that's the, the, the thing, Mr. Furley, with his with his uh, flamboyant get-ups and everything. And then, but also will not allow them to live together if... If it turns out, same thing. It, wait a second. Jack likes women? We're going to have to run him out of this building. But they're okay. You know, they're, they're homophobic and backwards enough. Oh, it's fascinating. It's fascinating <laughs> stuff. You know, Larry Hagman was obviously was good in, on Dallas. That's one of the most famous. You can make the argument, right, that J.R. Ewing's the most famous character in television history. He's definitely one of them. He's got to be top five. He has to most be. Most famous. Most well-known. Yeah. That's an interesting but, point. But he was fantastic in I Dream of Genie. He was good. He I was, mean, from yeah, what fantastic. I remember growing up. What about up, Carol yeah. Burnett show? That's, that a, that's a great list. No, Ted that's Knight? a great list is who has had two great, who's been on two great shows. Ted Danson's been on popular shows, but Sam Malone is his only good one. Well, not true. Curb Your Enthusiasm, he's good, but he doesn't play a lead in that one. Well, would you would you count, uh, oh gosh, now I can't think of the, who was the doctor or the uh, psychologist on uh, Cheers who had his own show? Frazier Crane. Frazier, no, he's yeah. not a different character. But that okay. he's a Frazier is a great character. Yes, Frazier. I liked Frazier better in Cheers, though. I, I but Frazier's a, a wonderful show. Really, a lovely show, um, but not as funny. Um, but yes, Homer Simpson and uh, and uh, Sam Malone. Sam Malone. People forget about the greatness of Cheers in general, and specifically how how wonderful Sam Malone was. Talk about a great womanizer. Yes. Uh, my favorite, uh, one, not my favorite line is, but I like when he announced he, he tried, he pretended to be gay for a while uh, for the plot. And then he, he just couldn't help. He couldn't stand it any longer. And he said, I like babes and babes like me. That's been my mantra for many moons. I think Dick Van Patten had the same mantra on it is enough. <laughs> I don't remember that episode. All right. So listen. Is that that? Is that what you say, black tie? That's it. Of the that's it for the blacklist, and you want to shut it down here? It's done. All right. So this is the pre-July Fourth episode. But guess what, everybody? We're going to do a second episode this week. We're going to do another episode on the other side of July Fourth, and we're going to be joined by Mister Irrelevant. What's his name, black tie? Chandler Hornish. That was a trick question. I don't care because he's irrelevant. No, Chandler Hornish. 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 Like Varnish. I don't. Do I, do I have to treat him? Do I have to get his name right? Do I, can't I just be like, I say, if, if he corrects me, do I? Can I say to him like, yeah, I don't care. <laughs> you, you can. He's irrelevant by definition. Can't? Well, shouldn't I be dismissive? Uh, well, I mean, think of some of the uh, previous Mister Irrelevant. Ryan Suckup is now booting game-winning field goals. All right, you know Call what I'm going to say? One thing I am going to say, because he is—he was drafted by the Indianapolis Colts and he's a quarterback, I'm going to encourage him to wear number 18. 
That's now that's owning it, you know. Yeah. That's winning something back. That's taking something, you know. Well, I'm not, you, if you're Mister Irrelevant, then you you're kind of sheepish in there and everything. I agree. That's why you should wear 88. Nobody will mess with them. <laughs> <laughs> Another good option. Yeah, maybe you could share that with them. All right, so Elliot, you'll be back for episode seven. Oh, that's episode seventy-five. But before we wrap things up here, episode seventy-four, we honor the player who wore the number Ooh. best. All right, if you don't get the number one on this, I'm going to be really easy, disappointed. It? It's easy. This I is say, easy. Well, there's two or three good names, but there's one. There's one Merlin guy. Olson who and 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 talk about underrated. There's one over people him. don't realize the greatness of Merlin. As a first name. Merlin Olsen has such a flow to it. He's a great wizard. Merlin is the greatest. And I said last week that the NFL, you know, that we, you know, instead of using uh, for uh, natural disasters, instead of using things like Debbie, like we saw a couple weeks ago, Hurricane Debbie or Tropical Storm Debbie, just tap into the world of the NFL and go Hurricane DeBrickashaw and so on. What about that? Hurricane Merlin. Merlin, Magical. Yeah. Good luck stopping that I've got a 20-sided die around here somewhere. Merlin. Yeah. So 74, and then there's, there's Fred Dean. Dragons. Fred Dean. Come on. You're Bob Lilly? Bob That's Lilly. Where he's going. God. There's John Hanna as well, who wasn't. Yeah. wasn't no, so John Hanna's 73. 73. Yeah, we did yeah. him last week. But, dude, Damn Bob it. Lilly, he's, he's like the number one defensive tackle of all time. I met Bob Lilly at Canton last year. He was a lovely man. He was cool. He is the number one cowboy of all time. Over Troy, over Roger, over all of them. To me, Bob Lilly is number one. Most but dom- you never even saw him play a game. He was. By, You're too young to have by seen all play. consideration, when when Vince Lombardi and every and when Bill Walsh says that you're the third greatest player I've ever seen, to, I mean, he Bill Walsh's list fascinating. Montana one, Jim Brown two, Bob Lilly three. Mm, that is of his greatest players he ever saw, and yet he couldn't stop Bart Starr at the goal line in the in the ice bowl. No, but that's because they ran over Jethro Pugh. Very nice. See? Mm. EH knows his stuff. He likes his history. Um, I also like working with Hank. This is nice. I mean, I get to see you all the time. <laughs> I, by the way, I, you know, Rank, let me say something about Rank, who's not here. Um, quickly, we did a, th- he, he put up a column of his favorite, um, you said, uh, to just wrap things, to put a bow on this episode. Um, Rank put out a column of his favorite uh, play-by-play calls in uh, NFL history, which and I was looking at it, and it was an effective column because it started me looking on YouTube at things. And this was this was actually my Saturday night. You said you weren't fresh starting the podcast because you, you were up late watching Temple of Doom. Saturday night, an exciting Hollywood. Dave Damashek, how did he spend his night? I spent two and a half or three hours going through YouTube, digging up my favorite play-by-play cl- clips. Handsome, do you think you could find a place for those somewhere I will. on the site? Yes, I've got the perfect place for it, Dave. It's your blog. Creep. All right. <laughs> what about Don Cricky? What about uh, what he about? He was so good. What about? Uh, what about, uh, I mean, yeah, so many good ones. Charlie Jones. Charlie this Jones. Isn't a play call. Charlie Jones. One of my. Can favorites. we play some of those on the next episode, Black Tie? If we wrap it up now, can will you allow me on the Dave Damashek football program to play some clips that I might like? You got to wrap it up like right now. What? One guy. more word. All right, That's boss. It. All right. So listen, Furley. Happy Independence Day to everybody. Like I say, we'll be back on the other side of it. Look for that podcast when Thursday or Friday of this week. You know what? Just subscribe on iTunes, and then the the uh, guesswork is taken away for you. It just will upload magically, just like uh, Merlin Olson did it for you himself. All right. So we're gonna go with Bob Lilly. All right. Uh, we'll let you choose that one, Elliot. You're our guest. I guess it's the right thing to do. I'm sure we left off some other seventy fours though, right? Fred Dean. Well, you got, you know, three Hall of Famers right there. Lily, Dean, and Olsen. Yeah. All right. Uh, (laughs) What are you so worried about, Black Tie? Where do you got to be? All right. 
We'll uh, we'll be back with more Hui and Applesauce, I guess, later this week with Episode 75. In the meantime, thanks so much, football fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you pull up to game night in the all-new Camry, but it's actually bingo night. Mini golf, anyone? It's a Camry vibe. The all-new, all-hybrid Camry. Toyota. Let's go places. Burgers are best fresh from the grill. Well, more specifically, burgers with Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. It's so rich and creamy that it instantly makes any burger irresistible. And what backyard barbecue is complete without some potato salad? Not just any potato salad, of course. Potato salad highlights the rich, creamy goodness of Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. So if you want to take your barbecue season to the next level, stock up on Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. For great recipe ideas, visit hellmans.com.